You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Comptigame. This is Millennial Money, and today we're answering more of your listener questions And we're leading off with one of my favorite questions. Should I cancel my credit card? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. All right. So happy Friday, everyone. I hope you have some amazing um, weekend plans. I was going to say holiday plans. My brain is totally on the holidays. I'm kind of, I'm like actually in a little bit of depression. (laughs) Not really, but, but you get where I'm going with this because the holidays are over. This was the most enjoyable holiday time for me. I think that I've ever had, and I actually legitimately got some time to relax and watch movies. And I really did eat whatever I wanted and I I was really enjoying having some time off. And then we sort of rolled into January. And then in the US here, we had Martin Luther King Day. And that just kind of snuck up on me. But it's actually kind of a really long slide now. We've got a little holiday in, in February, President's Day. But then it's it's a long track until we get to Memorial Day, right? It's 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 going to seem like a, a long time. So I'm just kind of reminiscing about the holidays and reminiscing about having f- quote unquote free time because I don't actually ever have free time. That's kind of a 
it's kind of a joke in my world, but at least some time where I could kind of get away with not answering emails, uh, phone calls, um, you know, all sorts of things like that. And I got to watch a ton of holiday movies. I think we've seen almost now all of the Oscar nominated movies. If you have not been out to the movies lately, I cannot highly recommend a lot of these movies that are out. Um, one of my favorites that was actually nominated some of the actresses was Hidden Figures. I totally thought it would be an amazing movie, but I didn't expect it would be as good as it was. I mean, it's just such an incredible story and there's just, there's so much to the movie. Uh, I just loved it. So anyway, um, I won't, I won't tuck your ear off about movies, but, um, we definitely saw our, our share of movies. So I wanted to answer two listener questions that came up this week because I thought there were some great topics. Um, I get a lot of listener questions, but you know, sometimes I try and, and, you know, work those listener questions into a particular podcast episode. So I guess I indirectly answered the listener question, but these two I thought were really great. And we haven't talked about these topics, in this fashion a lot on the podcast. So I thought it would be great to talk about them. The first one is from Nicole and she says, my first credit card was with a semi-predatory scammy company in uh, brackets credit one, if you're curious, because it was the only company that would give me one. I was careful with it, built up my credit to be excellent and now have a much, much better and legitimate credit card. I want to cancel this old card, which has a very, very small credit line, a fraction of what my new one offers me, and wash my hands of this horrible company altogether. But I have been advised by some friends not to. I've had the card for less than two years. Can I give this scammy company the boot? Thank you always for answering my questions. You're truly awesome. I recommend your podcast to all my friends all the time. Thanks so much, Nicole. I really appreciate you writing in and thanks so much for recommending the podcast. That really does mean a lot to me. Um, just a little plug. If you do love the podcast and you have not left a review over in iTunes, please head over to iTunes, um, write a review. Uh, let me know, you know, how much this podcast means to you. It just helps us grow and helps us to get more exposure and more opportunities to really continue to grow, um, millennial money and all the different wild and crazy directions that I want to grow it in. So let's get to your question. First off, um, that really sucks. You know, I hate that there are some scammy companies out there. I know there are definitely a lot of them. And sometimes when you're getting your first credit card, you know, you don't really have a choice. But, you know, really try to stay with the credit companies that are, you know, super legitimate if you can. Um, there's lots of ways you can get secured credit cards if you're just starting to build your credit history, or if you had something, you know, kind of go wrong in your, in your credit score and you need to rebuild a secured credit card is really great. And you can get those from, you know, really established credit locations. So, you know, hopefully you can kind of avoid going to these scammy companies, but Nonetheless, Nicole, you 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 had to, and that's not a big deal. It's not a problem. I'm definitely giving you a high five for building excellent credit and now having a better credit card. Those are amazing steps. So let's talk about this this canceling your credit card because there is a lot of uh, differing information out there. And across the board, I usually always tell people not to cancel a credit card, and you know that's really because I've seen 
all sorts of different scenarios happen with people who cancel their credit cards. Everything from it not even impacting your credit score to it impacting your credit score in a really big way. So not knowing, you know, your entire credit situation, not not working with you personally, I certainly don't want to, you know, blanket a recommendation one way or another, but I will give you some tips about this. So old credit is the best credit. The age of your credit account really, really makes an impact. So if you had a credit card for, you know, 10 years and you were going to cancel that card, I would definitely caution you not to. Uh, you know, if you opened a card six months ago and you wanted to cancel it, you know, may not have a huge impact on your credit score. It may, but it may not because there are lots of factors, remember, that make up your credit score. This just happens to be one piece of that. But a longer positive history is really beneficial to your credit. So again, closing that older account in theory could have a negative impact. How negative? Well, there, there really is no there's no one answer. Credit scores, again, they weigh everything in a person's credit history in relation to each other. So for one person, closing that older account can represent a really high risk um, than it does for another person solely just because of their, you know, their unique kind of makeup of their credit history. And I know this doesn't help, right? This doesn't exactly answer your question, but, you know, there, there are certain things for you to think about. If you're young and you have a really, really short credit history, closing that account could really impact your overall score versus someone who's maybe in their 50s and has a much longer credit history where closing that account, uh, you know, doesn't have that impact. Also, closing the account, it doesn't wipe away that account history off your report. So if you open a new credit card with, you know, not a scammy company, <laughs> better terms and things like that to replace that card you're canceling, your credit score shouldn't take a big hit. So in essence, you're kind of like, um, you're like swapping credit, right? Credit for credit. And sometimes if you do it that way, you know, you don't actually have an impact on your credit report. But let's say, you know, you're not thinking about buying a car in the next, you know, six months to a year, you're not going to buy a house. Uh, you know, you're not going to have any big purchases. Maybe if you took a small hit to your credit score, just to get rid of that company that you don't want anymore, that might not be the worst thing. But if you're thinking about, you know, I want to buy a house, uh, maybe I want to rent a new apartment, you know, I, I want to buy a new sofa on credit. I don't know anything, buy a new car, anything like that. You know, you might actually just want to leave it intact for a while so that you don't actually risk anything happening to your credit score. However, if you do decide to cancel, here's some things to think about. Obviously, you got to you got to pay pay the balance off. Um, it sounds like you don't have any balance on that credit card, so that's great. So that shouldn't be a problem. If you are going to cancel a credit card that has some sort of, you know, points or rewards, make sure you redeem those first, right? You don't get cashed out for those points or anything. Um, you know, I had someone argue with me sometime that, you know, that they canceled their credit card. They had all these points that, that the credit card company was just going to like open the vault and, you know, uh, you know, there was going to be a rainbow and a jackpot kind of like fall from the sky and they were going to be able to use all their points. I'm like, are you kidding me? A credit card company is not in business to pay you out your miles and all your points after you cancel on them. 
you can pretty much wipe that all goodbye. And they didn't believe me, um, which is fine. You don't have to believe me. (laughs) But sure enough, they went and canceled their credit card. And then they called me back like in a month and said, oh my gosh, you know, we didn't get our points. They, they wouldn't give it to us. You know, we've threatened legal action, but on and on and on and on and on. The, good, the guy had called like a million times, the credit card company, like harassing them. And finally, the credit card company sent them a letter like, look, you canceled your card <laughs> per the terms of the agreement, which was the tiny, tiny fine print. You don't get anything back. Uh, we have no, you know, loyalty to you. We don't owe you anything. Uh, it was your decision to use or lose those points. And so they basically put their head between their knees and realized that, you know, they weren't going to get those points. So my point is, if you have points, if you have any kind of rewards, just use it, right? It makes sense. Just use it and use it and get rid of it. Another thing is when you go to cancel get it in writing. So for some, you know, added insurance, um, in case the customer service rep, you know, makes some mistake, which does happen a lot. Maybe they don't cancel it. Maybe something goes a little haywire, write a really short, like cancellation letter to the credit card issuer request written confirmation from them of the account closure and include your name, address, phone number, account number, Um, and all the details that you talk to them on the phone about. So get the customer service person's name that you talk to, their full name, and write that in the letter as well. And make sure that you state that you want your credit report to reflect that this account was closed at your request, all right? Um, Being extra cautious with this, it's not a bad thing. It's really smart anytime you're dealing with credit and credit cards to be, you know, super, super cautious. So you can also enclose with the letter a check number or a copy of the cancel check or other payment verification that you use to pay off your balance if you have a balance. And make a copy of the letter, of course, for your records and send it via certified mail or with some sort of return receipt so you can actually prove that the credit card company got this. It's great advice if you're trying to dispute anything with a credit card company always, always get it in writing. Like everybody now wants to do email and email's great, but uh, an old fashioned letter sent with certified mail usually gets really good results. And then just wait. I mean, the last thing you can do is, is just to sit tight because getting the card canceled could take a month or a couple months. And then it may take a while for your credit report to actually uh, update and show it as closed. So you'll want to wait probably I would say at 45 to 60 days at least to pull a new credit report on yourself. If you sign up with Credit Karma or Credit Sesame for their free kind of credit service, you can actually, you know, check and, and see when your credit score is, is updated with that information. And you can also, you know, track and see what's going on with your with your credit score, whether it's going up or it's going down, whether this impacted you or not. So hopefully that answered your question, Nicole. That's that's a great question. And, you know, I wish I could tell you what exactly to do. Um, But I think, you know, think about those things. Again, think about the length and the longevity of your credit history. And um, again, whether, I mean, whether, you know, if you took a little bit of a credit score hit right now, would that be a big deal to you? Or you might also think about, you know, canceling that card and kind of replacing that credit line with another super, super awesome, legitimate um, credit company. Because again, remember, 
that a large portion of your credit score is based on credit utilization. So it's the credit that you're using um, uh, versus the amount of available credit for you. So if you start shrinking that gap between those two, it can actually lower your credit score. And the goal number, like this superstar number, is to keep your credit utilization to 30%, meaning you're not using more than 30% of your available credit, right? For some of you, it's hard to do. It's a goal. But if you, the closer and closer you get to it, uh, the more your, your credit score is just going to pop up. All right. So question number two is from Sarah. She says, I have a budget question, all in caps. So you know it's going to be a good one when budget is all in caps. Um, I recently got married and I'm trying to tackle the ever-challenging budget now for not just one, but two people. I downloaded your budget template. I've been working to complete it. However, I'm confused. I downloaded our monthly statements and I'm categorizing our variable expenses, often paid on our credit cards. But on your budget template, variable expenses are listed, groceries, dining out, household, etc. in one section, and then loans, credit cards in another. I think I'm counting some things twice because I've already tallied up what was on the statement. Then I'm counting it again, what I paid towards my credit card bills. Does this make sense? Help, please. Um, So Sarah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, a lot of people do this with the budget where they kind of like double dip on the budget and then everything gets off track and they get totally frustrated. So you were actually on track and you were doing so good with the budget and then you know, this got all kind of crazy and you didn't know what to put in which column. And then you just kind of go back to the giving up and putting budget all in caps, which is probably where you're at right now. So if you use your credit card, like a debit card, like I teach you, then one way to do this, probably the simplest way to do this is to allocate to your budget, uh, what you're going to spend. So, you know, what you're spending on your credit card for groceries and dining out and household and any of the things that you're paying on your credit card or that you're, um, you know, expensing on your credit card, put those in the appropriate columns on your budget so you can actually keep track of the trends and, you know, how much you're spending. Then in the actual credit card column where loans and credit cards are listed, put there only the minimum payment that you have to pay on your credit card, right? Because there's two parts of the credit card. There's the minimum payment that you absolutely, absolutely have to pay, and then any additional payment that you want to make. So what you can do is, you know, then you can use your budget to say, okay, you know, I spent X on groceries, X on dining out, X on household, shopping, blah, blah, all those categories. You can have, you know, a real life number of what those are what that total number is. And then, you know, you can see it represented on your budget broken up into the different columns. And then, you know, when you go to pay your credit card, obviously you pay the minimum payment plus then whatever those added expenses are. I think if you lump it all together in the credit card column and don't segment it out, that's really where, um, I I see things kind of going askew for people because it's hard for you visually to see, you know, month after month, what are you spending your money on? And the credit card companies, they do, you know, a great job at the end of the year of sending you kind of annual recaps of what you're spending your money on. But again, just doing that once a year is not going to get the job done. So, you know, I think if you're not using a budgeting app or or anything like that, where, where it's breaking it out for you and you're doing, you know, the handwritten kind of manual system, 
just make sure that you know you have a way of tracking what you're spending on all of those different variable expenses. So then again, you can find trends. So if you, if you start to go over budget, you know you can really look back over the last few months and go, oh, okay, I see kind of here where like things are going askew. Also, you know, I wanted to just recap some of the most missed columns on the budget that really throw people off. And they sound super obvious, except that we forget usually to put these on our budget. Things like ATM fees. So anytime you go to the ATM um, and you pull cash out, you usually don't account for that in your budget. And for some of us, you know, so, I mean, it may be like $20 a week, you know, or something like that, but you know, that's an extra $100 a month in, in some budgets that can make a really big impact. Also, I have seen kind of budgets that have the chronic problem where you don't maybe have the best bank and you're pulling out cash at ATMs all over the place, like 7-Eleven and I don't know, gas stations and things like that. And you're incurring these $3 or $5 or $3.50, whatever it is for your bank, fees, ATM fees. Uh, I just worked with someone a couple months ago and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a very, very, very large amount that they were incurring on ATM fees. Like I'm talking a very, very, like over a car payment amount on ATM fees. And they didn't, they didn't know it really like, because they didn't add it up in their head. And so when I showed them that they were like, Oh crap. (laughs) All right. We got to make some changes. Another thing is subscriptions. So Netflix, Amazon, Prime, Hulu, all of those things, we usually don't account for those on our budget. And, you know, they start to add up. They may be like five bucks here, five bucks there, but it really does add up. Uber. Uber is another big one, right? Because it's so easy. We just hit the button on our phone and it's like play money. It's like monopoly money, right? It It doesn't even come out of our account except at the end of the month. When we look at our bank statement and we see all of the amount that, you know, we spend on Uber. I know like when I'm traveling and I'm in, in somewhere, like we were in New York we're like, oh, we're just going to take an Uber over. And it was surge pricing. And for some reason I didn't actually look at like the estimate until we got out of the car and I got the email of what we spent. I was like, you're kidding me. (laughs) I did not just spend that much money for like, you know, a four mile trek. So it can, can easily happen. Um, parking fees, parking fees is another one. Some cities where you live, there's a, I mean, LA, it's like everywhere we park, it, it costs money. And so, you know, just make sure you add that into your budget and then coffee. I mean, Starbucks, the Starbucks effect, uh, it's big, right? So a daily small charge adds up. So let's say, you know, you spend, I don't know, seven bucks a day on coffee times five days, that's 35 bucks a week times four weeks, that's 140 bucks a month times 12 months, that's $1,680 a year. That's starting to get, you know, fairly significant amount of money, especially if we don't budget it for it, right? Especially if it's not reflected anywhere, it could really throw things off. So What I'm going to do is in the show notes on the website, I'm going to actually include a downloadable link to my variable expense tracker. So you can use that if you're, if you're having trouble keeping track of variable expenses to, um, just to, you know, make sure that you've got everything accounted for. So hopefully that answered your question, Sarah. And, you know, I know, trust me, I know, um, budgeting as a married couple is, it's a science, it's an art. 
It takes a lot of practice. Um, and it's not always perfect. And you've got two people and you've got two different spending habits and you've got two different ways of doing things. And so, you know, the best way you can go about it is just to have these regular scheduled money dates, you know, put somebody in charge, put one person as, you know, the money CEO of, of, of the family, if you will. Um, and, you know, really try to set some goals, get on the same page with spending uh, you know, you just have to, you just have to overly communicate when you're doing money as a couple and almost to the point where it feels like, okay, I'm, I'm really over communicating, but it's the best way to avoid, you know, arguments, to avoid overspending, to avoid guilt, to avoid, you know, you sneaking up the package, like that you just went shopping for up the stairs. So your spouse doesn't see it, all of those sorts of things. All right, so hopefully, Sarah, that answered your question. Um, and also, I want to let you guys know, over this weekend, we're actually doing a bit of change on the website. So the website is changing from Your Millennial Money to just Shauna Game by name. We're going to be launching a Facebook page where I'm going to do live uh, weekly fun video series and tons of extra tips and things like that. So stay tuned. So if you click over to the website um, on Monday, let's say, uh, your millennial money will still land you at the website, but it's going to change over to shaunagame.com. And we're doing that because I've got so many different things going on, so many cool projects that have emerged. And so I wanted this to be just really representative of everything. It's still going to be the main podcast page. Uh, there's still going to be a ton of awesome resources on there. It's just going to get better and better and better. But I wanted to let you know so you didn't kind of freak out when you went over the website and went, wait a minute. Um, it's still, it's still the same place. You're still going to get the podcast the same place. So in essence, you probably won't even know any difference, but just wanted to let you know. All right. So I hope you have an awesome weekend and keep those listener questions coming in. There's a contact box on the website. You can head over there. You can input your question. Don't worry. Every question is a good question and everybody can learn from. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Snapchat at Shauna Game and Instagram at millennial underscore money. 